this in your son's most precious name. Amen. Please be seated. Church. Uh, my name is Iggy. I'm the pastor here at Cooper's Plains Evangelical, and it's great to gather today uh, to see a full house gathered under um, God's word to see what He has to say to us today, and so we can refocus on what's important amidst the busyness of our lives. Uh, friends, um, this week is our last week in our We Are CPE series, where we look at what is our mission, what's our vision, why do we exist as a church. And next week we'll be kicking off a new series, uh, which is the Book of Ephesians as we look at what it means to be one family in Christ, a foundational book for us as we go forward this year. So there'll be more details about that coming soon. Now today, uh, you know what we'll be talking about? We, we're going to be talking about love. And I don't know if you, uh, if you knew this, but on Thursday, it was Valentine's Day. Did you, did you guys realize some, there's some embarrassed looks around here? So either you forgot or you really did remember and spent a lot of money uh, because Valentine's Day, is, it's a day dedicated to love, isn't it? Or at least spending money in the name of love. Um, what I find fascinating about Valentine's Day is that there's a day that exists in the calendar of this world that's dedicated to love. Isn't that fascinating? That there's this day that the world stops to celebrate love. Love. Because I think for us as humans, we know inherently inside of us that love is vital. Love is important. We love love. It's part of who we are as humans. But I guess the question to ask is, do we actually understand what love is? Do we understand love? Because the world that we live in gives us many, many different pictures of love, doesn't it? It gives gives us many distorted pictures of what love actually is. And to really know what love is, we need to go back to the source. And that is God. God is love. And we're going to see what he has to say to us through his word today about how to love like his son, Jesus Christ, loves. Now, friends, today our sermon is centered on our vision for this year, for this church, which is loving like Jesus. That's what we'll be seeking to do this year, but we need to understand what that means. And so we're going to go through uh, four points in today's sermon. Uh, Number one is without love, we are nothing. Number two, Jesus shows us what love looks like. And number three, how to love like Jesus. And finally, we'll spend a little bit of time thinking about what's going to stop us doing this. That's important for us to be thinking about. Well, the first thing is without love, we are nothing. First, I want to show you from Scripture. This is not my opinion. This is Scripture. This is God's Word showing you how important love is. And here's a spoiler alert. It's really, really, really important. And here's a few verses that will tell us to go. Two, two weeks ago, I preached about the greatest commandment, right? The greatest commandment, if you remember, Mark 12, 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. But there's a second part to this that we didn't get into, and it's this, right after the next verse. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. That's interesting, isn't it? Because someone comes up to Jesus and asks him, what is the greatest commandment? What is the one thing that I really need to do that's most important? And Jesus replies with two things. Loving God and loving your neighbor. There's no greater commandment than these. You see, what Jesus is saying is this is a package deal. Yes, it needs to start with loving God, our hearts captivated by God's glory and who he is, 
and us seeking to serve Him in that. But if you love God, then you love others. Do you understand that? If you love God, necessarily that means that you love others. It's a package deal. It's not an optional extra. You cannot love God without loving your neighbor. That's what Jesus Christ is saying here. And if we look at this verse in John 13, verse 34 to 35, which is from our reading today, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so that so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now here's another verse telling us about the importance of love, because you know what love is? Love is the marker that you are a Christian, that you belong to Jesus Christ. So friends, don't worry about your little fish sticker on your car. Don't worry about the cross that you wear about around your neck. Do you know what you wear as a badge of honour that you're a Christian? That you love. That you love. This is what sets you apart as a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is how important love is. And this verse from 1 Corinthians 13 pushes the idea even further. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. You see this verse? Paul is saying, you can, you can be the most amazing person in the world. You can have these amazing spiritual gifts. You can have this knowledge of God, this Bible knowledge that surpasses everyone, this solid faith, but without love, you are nothing. Without love, you are nothing. In fact, the Apostle John goes so far as to say, without love, you are not a Christian. 1 John 3.14 says this, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Remains in death. Now that's a sobering verse, isn't it? When you think about it. That if you aren't loving others, then you, you don't have that faith that is true Christian faith. Love is everything. Love is everything. Love is at the core of what it means to be a Christian. Without love, we are nothing. That is how important love is. And I hope you've seen that clearly just through those quick verses that we've gone through. And the next question we need to ask then, if love is so important, if it's at the core of what it means to be a Christian, what is it? What does love actually look like? Well, we're at our next point, which is Jesus shows us what love looks like. All right, we're going to get into this now. But first of all, I've noticed recently... um, that, you know, there's a TV show that started. I don't know if you guys have re- has restarted this show, Married at First Sight. I don't, on my social media feed, I'm seeing all these posts about these things. Um, so if you watch the show, then please avoid eye contact in an embarrassing way. Yes, there's a few here, I see. No. I'm not sure if anyone watches this show, but um, I guess shows like this show us that the world has a very odd picture of what love looks like. Right? The world gives us a lot of different messages about what love actually looks like, right? And I don't know if this is the place that you should go to learn about love. The title probably points to the fact that this isn't the place you should go to learn about love. So as the world gives us all these messages, it's important, right, to get back to what God thinks love is and to actually look 
at Jesus Christ as the example. John 13, verse 34 to 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And this is the core verse that we'll be camping out at here. This is the core verse we'll be looking at here. Um, This verse is so key. Jesus is talking primarily here to the 12 disciples that are with him at the time, but these principles that he is talking about, the principles of love, they extend far beyond that little upper room, the Last Supper, because you see that in the early church, this incredible love. You see that all throughout the New Testament, this incredible love. And you see that in his call for us as his church, if you belong to him, that we are called to love just like he does. And as Jesus talks about these verses, um, something actually very shocking has happened right before he says these things. Can you remember from the Bible reading that we had before from April? Something really shocking. Jesus washes his disciples' feet. He washes his disciples' feet. Now, think about washing someone's feet. The the thought of us, just think about touching someone's feet with your bare hands. It's not a nice thought, is it? It's pretty disgusting, a little bit repulsive for us. But imagine how much more so back in the days of Jesus Christ, where everyone wore open sandals, they walked everywhere, long, dusty roads, every location they went. Feet were constantly filthy and dirty. And to wash someone's feet was something that was necessary. Like the host would, the host would actually provide water for everyone's feet to be washed because everyone's feet was just filthy. It was disgusting. But... At this particular situation where the disciples were gathered having the Last Supper with Jesus Christ, right, there was no servant available. There was no servant available. So everyone was sitting, reclining around the table, sharing the Last Supper with dirty feet um, because there was no servant there to wash their feet. Or at least that's what they thought. Because Jesus Christ gets up from the supper. He takes off his outer garments. He ties a towel around his waist and takes a basin of water, fills it, and then he goes to each one of his disciples and he kneels down. He kneels and he washes each and every one of their feet. Dirty, filthy feet. This is the job of the servants. This was a job that was reserved often for non-Jewish slaves, second-class citizens, people that were seen as nothing. Yet, Jesus Christ takes on this role to wash his disciples' feet. And this act, friends, is an example of us, of incredible love. Incredible, incredible love. And this is how we learn what love actually looks like. And I've got three points about how, what Jesus shows us in this act. The first is this, that love is humble. Love is humble. Because you know who Jesus Christ was? Well, Jesus Christ still is. He's the Son of God. The Son of God. The one who has the throne of majesty in heaven. And what is he doing here? He's bowing down on his knees before his disciples and washing their filthy feet. He's lowering himself from that high position to serve the other person. C.S. Lewis, who's um, a Christian author, author of the Chronicles of Narnia, once said this about humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it is thinking of yourself less. 
Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And I think this is a really apt sort of definition of humility because when you think about it, it's not as if Jesus forgot who he was. It's not as if he forgot that he was the son of God, the king of the universe, that he was glorious. It's not as if he thought to himself, well, this is all I deserve now. I'm just a man. I'm not worthy of anything else. He knew who he was, yet he lowered himself for the sake of others. He wasn't thinking of himself. He was thinking of others. This is humility. And that plays out in the next element of a love is servant-hearted. Because as Jesus Christ here thinks less of himself, thinking about himself less, he's not thinking about his own good, he's thinking about what? The good of others. And that's at the core of love, isn't it? If, you, if we try to define love a little bit, love is seeking the good of the other. It's not about yourself. It's not about serving yourself. It's not about benefiting yourself. And we see that in Jesus Christ. This is not to his benefit. This is a disgraceful, shameful job. If I asked you right now to bow down to your neighbours, remove their, their shoes and socks and wash all their feet, that would be a shameful, embarrassing experience for you to just bow, stoop down and do that. But yet this is what Jesus Christ does for the sake of the other. It's not about what he can gain. It's about what he can give. This is servant-hearted love. This is what Jesus shows us about what love is. It's not about himself. It's about the good of the other. And the third element of love that Jesus shows us is love is self-sacrificial. Love is self-sacrificial. Now, what Jesus shows us here as he washes his disciples' feet is an amazing example of love. And we see huge self-sacrifice of his own pride, um, you know, of himself and his own needs for the sake of the other. But this is just a tiny, tiny shadow of what Jesus will do next. Because you know what happens after this final meal that he has with his disciples, where he goes next? Well, he comes out of this meal and he is arrested. He's taken before a court and tried unjustly multiple times. He's condemned as a criminal and he is executed on the cross. This is what Jesus does to ultimately show love. The washing of the feet, all these elements, is just a pointer towards the ultimate example of love that he shows us. He gives everything, absolutely everything. You know, the shame that he felt as he was stooping down and washing his disciples' feet, that is nothing. It pales, it fades into insignificance compared to the shame that Jesus experienced as he hung naked on that cross, condemned as a criminal, facing the anger of God. The pain and the suffering that he underwent, that's, it's incomprehensible as he hangs on the cross. And let me tell you, as he hangs on the cross, he isn't thinking about his own good. He's not thinking about, hey, what can I get from this? He's thinking about you, and he's thinking about me. And he's thinking about this world that needs salvation. Because you know what happens on that cross? What happens on that cross is a washing that is far more significant than any physical foot washing could ever achieve. It's the washing of our souls. The washing of our souls. It's the washing and cleansing of a sinful heart which is set on loving ourselves rather than loving God and loving others. It's a cleansing of us once and for all to make us clean from all the things that we have done that we know we should not have done 
all the things that we, we haven't done to, to, to love God. It's a cleansing of ourselves once and for all so that we can be accepted by God forever. Jesus Christ achieves this for us as He gives everything in humble, servant-hearted, self-sacrificial love. These verses, I'm sure, are familiar to many of you. But actually think about what they're saying. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Do you hear what those verses are saying? This is God's love. This is self-sacrificial, self-giving, humble, self-servant-hearted love. This is what it is. Because what is it? God gives His one and only Son for the world. That's sacrifice. Jesus gives His own life for the world. This is sacrifice. And He does it all for our good. For our good. Friends, this is love. This is love. And as we look at this example of Jesus Christ's love, it shapes everything about us. Sometimes we may think to ourselves, even as Christians, if you're a Christian here today, as you walk along, you're not sure about God's love. You you don't feel maybe that Jesus loves you at this point in time. but, But as we look back to the cross, then our doubts disappear because God has shown us love once and for all in that cross. And yes, we will go through ups and downs, but we will feel far from that. But the reality is, is that this has happened. Christ's sacrifice has happened. God's ultimate love has been shown in history. And nothing, nothing will change that. And friends, we need to take comfort in the fact that God's love is sure because He's shown that and this will not change. So I want us all, Christian or not, believer or not, to look to the cross, to take a minute to just comprehend really try to comprehend the enormity of that love that's been shown to us. Because this changes everything. It changes everything. If you're not yet a believer here, you know, this is a a love that we want you to know about. We want you to come to know Christ's love. Come to Him. Believe in Him. And you can be part of that as well. But if you are a believer, and this is something that you know, then please take a minute to read just, just grasp it again, okay? Because sometimes we let go of it in the busyness of our lives. How amazing is the love of God shown to us through Jesus Christ? And as we grasp that, then everything about our lives transforms. Transforms. And we're at point three, how to love like Jesus. We're called to love like Jesus. Do you know that? What am... That's an incredible call because we've just seen what Jesus' love looks like. Just as a summary, love is humble. Love is servant-hearted. Love is self-sacrificial. These are the principles that we, if you're one of God's people, need to be thinking about as we think about love. And even if you're not a believer here today, I hope you'll see that as we think about these principles of love that this is the best way because this is what God intended for humans and I'm sure you'll, you won't disagree with the fact that these, if we all sought to do this as humans in this world, the world would be a better place, wouldn't it, if we love like Jesus Christ did. But love is humble, love is servant-hearted, love is self-sacrificial. And I want to sum it up by saying this. What we need to keep saying to ourselves is, 
It's not about me. It's not about me. I want to try that together. Let's, let's do that together. So on the count of three, I want you to say with me, it's not about me. Okay, you ready? Okay. One, two, three. It's not about me. And I hope you believe that because this is the core of what love is. It's not about me. So friends, how do we love? What, how does this love play out in church life? Well, number one, we're called to, in, in the verses of John 13, we're called to love one another. Right? That was Jesus' call, love one another. So let me start by just talking about some practical things we can do as a church together. All right? So loving one another. Here's where it starts. You all ready? It's very technical. You have to be around. You have to be present to love one another. Do you understand that? This is how humans work. You have to be present at the gatherings we have at our Sunday gathering. You have to be present in your life groups. You have to be present outside just catching up, uh, encouraging one another. You have to be present. You have to be around. You cannot love each other if you're not with one another. And here's the very um, technical second step of that. As you're present, talk to one another. Talk to one another. Because this is necessary for us to love one another. And let me say, it's not about... I'm not just talking about good communication here. Uh, John Gottman, who's a uh, marriage research expert, writes a book about marriage, and he talks about the secret of a good marriage. And one of the big myths about marriage, let me tell you this, about the se- what makes a successful marriage is that good communication is the key. All right, You often hear that around, don't you? Good communication is the key. He says, no, in all this research, he said, it's not good communication is the key, it's friendship that's the key. Friendship. And that's true of all relationships, isn't it? Because we're not here to just convey bits of information to one another. We're here to share life. We're here to build friendship. We're here to build genuine relationships. And that can only come as we speak to each other and we express who we are. Because that's how God made us. Through our words, we express who we are. As we're a little bit vulnerable with one another and express our needs and our wants and um, you know, what's going on in life, through our words, as we're present with each other, that's how we learn how to love one another. Because you need to know each other's needs before you can meet them. Before you can show love. So be present and talk to one another. It's not hard, friends, when you think about it. Because as you talk to each other, you know, this is what it might look like. You know, as you learn each other's needs and then you step up to meet those needs, that's the next step. This is what it might look like. As you, as you talk to someone who's just struggling in life, who's um, maybe going through some sickness or um, a new mum, maybe he's just had a baby, it's a really difficult time, why not offer to cook them a meal? Why not offer to come and tidy up their house just for a day? Why not mow their lawn? These things don't seem like much. They can make all the difference to people who are struggling. Do you realise that? As you, as you talk to um, maybe a family who's struggling, um, you know, marriages are hard, kids are stressful, why not offer to babysit a night to let a couple invest in their marriage? Yeah. Uh, they often say a true test of someone's love is when someone moves house uh, and where the friends go. You know, if someone needs help in that practical way, will you step up to meet it? Or just, just talk to someone you don't know, cross the aisle, to the other side of the room, to a different demographic, and just say hello. These things, these are all really practical expressions of love, 
aren't they, friends? They're so simple, but they're so important. And yes, it will take a little bit of effort. It will take a little bit of um, energy from us, but guess what love is? It's servant-hearted. It's self-sacrificial. It's humble. It's not about me. But I want to pause here because I guess when you think about the things I've just been talking about, these are the sort of things that um, probably everyone would say, yes, they're good things to do. You might find them on a blog post somewhere about healthy living or something like that or you know, how to have your best life or something. You know. So what is it about the church that makes our love unique? What, what is it about the church that makes, Christian, that makes our love Christian? Now, all these things I talk about are very important, things we must do, but what is it that steps up our love to this next level of Christian love? Well, it's thinking about love not just in terms of practical love, but thinking about love in terms of gospel love. Gospel love. As I talked about um, last week, I talked about discipleship. All right? I talked about getting people into king- kingdom and growing them to be more like Christ. And friends, as I talked about this, there's a real, you know, uh, real urge to bring people in to save them for the glory of God. Um, but what's underpinning all of this is it's love. It's love. That discipleship is love. Because the best thing that we can do for this world is to help people know Jesus and to live for Him. If we're really seeking the best for people, if that's what love is, then we need to help people know Jesus and to live for Him. Because this is the real hope that we hold in this world. Right? Do you see that? Discipleship is love. Helping people stick to Jesus is love. So as, as, as a church... Friends, as we're really seeking to love each other, yes, meet each other's practical needs, but we need to keep thinking, how can I keep pointing people to Jesus? How can I point someone today to Jesus? How can I encourage someone in their faith? How can I help them keep trusting in Jesus? Because that, friends, is the love that God's church is called to. Because Jesus Christ didn't die so we could simply be nicer people. He died so people could come into his kingdom and enjoy life for eternity. And we have a role to help others know that and to stay trusting in Jesus till the very end. That's what he died for. And so this is how we show love. So what that means is as we think about our conversations, as we talk to each other, remember the basics, be present and talk. As we talk and we find out each other's needs, what do we do? We think about your conversations and think, how can I encourage this person today to keep trusting in Jesus? How can I encourage this person to keep trusting in Jesus? And I want you to think back to your past conversations that you've been having the past few Sundays or this week. You know, how many of your conversations have been geared towards that? Actually helping someone trust in Jesus a little bit more. Wouldn't it be amazing if this is how we thought about our words and our conversations, our discussions, to actually just spur people on to keep trusting in Jesus. So it could mean that simple things. You just share something about what God's been teaching you through His Word. You know, encourage someone with that. You know, uh, if someone's not here on a Sunday, maybe you want to catch up with them during the week and share what you learned at the sermon. You know, encouraging them to keep holding on to the Scriptures. Um, yeah, there's plenty of different ways we can encourage, but here's one thing that I think if we all do will transform the life of our church. Okay? So there's one thing I really, I really want us to um, try hard in. It's prayer. It's praying for one another. Because what a great expression of love and care for each other 
that we can have if we just pray for one another. Isn't that fantastic? Because as you pray for one another, you know what you're doing? Uh, you're, you're meeting people's needs, right, in a very real and significant way. As you walk up to each other, and this is all it takes, and say to someone after the service today, how can I pray for you? You know what you're doing? You're finding out what their needs are, you're praying for them, and you're pointing them back to Jesus Christ and how good He is as you pray. You're loving them in a really, really deep, significant way. And if that's something that we each undertook, can you imagine if this church was a place where it, when you walk through out that door on a Sunday, that you just knew that you'd be prayed for? It was just guaranteed that today someone would pray for you, that someone would be there encouraging you. How good would that be? Isn't that the sort of church you'd love to be a part of? But the problem is, we think it's weird. It still feels a bit weird. It feels a bit awkward to just do stuff like that. But this is the church. This is the church. If we can't do it here, there's no hope. So I'd urge you all to take on one simple challenge for the weeks to come, the years to come, for the rest of your life. Just seek to pray for one another. Ask someone, how can I pray for you? Find out their needs and just pray for them on the spot for a few minutes. It will make a world of difference to building a community where we actually love and we actually care for one another. Now, friends, Christ's primary call for us is to love one another, but something I also want to talk about is loving the stranger. That sounds like a weird word to use, doesn't it? But something, because, but let me, let me, let me explain. Because as we um, love one another, yeah, as God's church, that's really important. We're to love one another, show Christ-like love to one another. But that love necessarily needs to overflow to everyone, everyone that we encounter. Because, you know, one of, one of the biggest themes in the Bible over and over again is it's hospitality. Hospitality. And the word literally means loving the stranger. Loving the stranger. Loving the one who you don't know. Loving the one who, um, you're not, who's not yet part of the family. Loving the one who's a little bit on the outside. That's the call for Christ-like love. That's what God wants for us. We can't just keep it to the church. So here's a real practical way that you can do that too. Because this is our big call, to love the stranger. Once again, basic principles. Be around and talk. Right? When guests come in through that door... You know what's happening there. It isn't an accident when newcomers come through our door. You might be new today, and it's fantastic. I'm genuinely overjoyed that you've come to join us. When guests come in through that door, that's God bringing people to our church so we can love and care for them. It's not an accident. This is part of God's plan. We're given people to love and care for. So what we need to do is just walk over and say hello and welcome them. We've been shown the most incredible welcome in the history of this world. That once as enemies of God, we're now part of his family. Friends, that's the welcome we're called to show all those who aren't part of our family yet. Because we don't want people to stay as strangers, do we? We want them to be part of the family. And for that to happen, it takes each and every one of us stepping up to just love a little better. To walk over and just say hello. And if we all do that, this church will be a completely different place. Our vision for 2019 is loving like Jesus. It has two parts, as I've been talking about. Loving one another 
and loving the stranger, right? We want to build a real culture of love in our community where we're genuinely building relationships centered on the gospel to encourage one another and meeting each other's practical needs. But we also want to think about those who are not yet part of our family. How can we welcome people and love people and make them feel like they're welcome here and they they should be part of this family? We want them here. You know, that's what we want to be working on this year, right? Loving like Jesus. Because when we do this, we show what it means to be a disciple. So we're trying, there'll be some new initiatives going on this year. You know, in our life groups, we'll be holding hospitality nights where um, people will, uh, specific nights for our life groups to just host people, to have a meal. People who might not yet be part of a group, people who are new to church, our non-Christian friends who want to find out a little bit more, are specifically geared towards helping people just be our friends, right? To welcome them in love. Yeah? We're revamping our, uh, you know, our welcoming teams uh, we're putting in new processes to make sure that we follow up people really intentionally because people are really important to us. You know, we're trying to step up the level of care in our small groups because that's such an important area where we care for each other. These are just a few of the initiatives that we're putting in place to actually help us achieve this vision of loving like Jesus. At what we want to really see is just create a, a culture, a community of warm and intentional love for one another and towards a stranger. That's what we really want to see friends. And that'll be fantastic. If we can achieve this, then that'll be a little slice of heaven, wouldn't it be? Just a little, little taste of what heaven is. But what will stop us? What will stop us? This is the final point. To put it bluntly, the thing that's going to stop us is sin. It's sin. Sin, whilst the power of sin has been broken for us who are Christians, the presence of sin still remains. You and I both know that. That sin still impacts us in the way we live. And sin is the complete opposite of what love actually is. Because whilst love is humble, sin is proud. While love is servant-hearted, sin makes me the master. It makes me the center. It's all about my gain. Whilst love is self-sacrificial, sin is self-seeking, self-gaining. It just wants things for myself. Right? Remember, love says it's not about me, but sin says it's all about me. It's all about me. And that can impact us even as we walk into the doors of church. Because sometimes we can walk in and we're just thinking, what, what do I want to get out of church? Uh, what do I like about church? What don't I like about church? What, what is it that I can gain? Sometimes that's the mindset we bring, tainted by sin. That's sin talking to us. But, and we don't want to do anything to... Um, love each other because it's, you know, a little bit inconvenient. It's not for my good. In one sense, comfort, as we live in comfort, um, it's, it's a bit hard to love other people because we've got to get out of our comfort zones. We, it, it'll take time, it'll take effort, it'll take me giving up a weekend, it'll take me giving up a conversation. We don't want to do it. It's too hard. That's what we say to ourselves, right? It's too hard. But what if Jesus said it was too hard? Jesus Christ went through the most incomprehensibly hard thing in the face of this world as he faced the anger of his own father on that cross. And it was very easy for him at that point to say, this is just all too hard, and not do it. But he didn't. He didn't say that, did he? Because of love. Driven by the needs of others and the good of others, Jesus gave it all. And that's what we're called to as well.
Sin says it's all about me. But it's not all about you because it's all about Jesus first and it's all about others second. This is the love that we're called to. Now, friends, we're not a perfect church. I'm not a perfect pastor. Far from it. Um, We won't be able to meet every need in every one of everyone in this church, but if we all if we all step up just a little bit to love one another better, if we all pitch in, then let me tell you, this church will be a transformed place. Absolutely transformed. And everybody who walks in through the doors of our church, as they come in and they see that and they experience it, they will say to themselves, this is a church that follows Jesus because they love just like he does. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for the incredible love shown to us that Christ shows us. And we pray this may not be a distant thing for us, but we pray that this will transform the way we live so that we can love everyone around us just like you've loved us. May you help us to put put aside sin and pride and selfish desire. May we love in a humble, servant-hearted, self-sacrificial way that we love in a way which, which hurts Father, because that's what you've called us to. Because, and we know when you, we do that, that, that gives you great honour and you are greatly pleased because it shows that we are true disciples of you. So give us the strength by your spirit because we can't do this alone. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.